Welcome to this edition of Art of the Frame. I'm Scott Simmons, and I'm happy to be joining in this new Art of the Frame podcast. Today, I sat down in person with Mark Stepp. I've known Mark for a lot of years. He predominantly works in live television. I wanted to talk to him about what editing for live television is all about, because a lot of people think that live TV is just a bunch of camera switches that go straight to air, and then you're done. Mark works a lot on award shows, a lot of multicam music productions, as well as a number of other live production, doing things such as behind the scenes, red carpet stuff, as well as general fixes for different versions of the show that may have to go out. And we talk about a lot of that in this podcast. I hope you find it useful because a lot of people don't think about post-production on the live television show, but a lot goes into it. Thanks a lot for listening. Here we go with Mark. Welcome to this edition of Art of the Frame. I'm Scott Simmons here, and I'm sitting down to have a talk with Mark Stepp. So I wanted to have a chat with Mark. He does a lot of his work predominantly doing editing and post-production for live television. And when you think about post-production and editing, many people think, oh, you don't, what do you edit in live TV? It goes through the air and there's nothing else to do unless, you know, it's rebroadcast somewhere. But generally for live television, there's a lot of work to do. Mark, thanks for joining us. Good to be here, Scott. Thanks for having me. Give us a little bit of a resume background so people can realize uh, some of the stuff that you've worked on. I've been editing for more than 20 years. Came into the scene basically with nonlinear editing became a useful tool. Learned nonlinear, was a little bit involved in linear-based editing at the time, but it was... Oh, God, linear editing. Exactly. I said the same thing when it was happening. I was ready for that to be done. I'm glad it was gone. Actually learned the trade here in Nashville. Um, and cut my teeth on music videos, multi-camera concerts, and parlayed that into doing a lot of music documentaries behind the music being one of them. That took me to L.A. a lot. But now that was traditional post-production where it was shot, interviews, transcribed, much different than the world of live TV. Correct. And then as time moved on, I got thrown into making editing nomination packages for live shows. So when you see a live show and they say, and the nominees for best picture are, and they play a package that is edited in before it goes live on air. Okay, wait, let's stop and talk about that for a second. A lot of live programming has a lot of packages and stuff built and shot and edited and completely finished before the show begins that are rolled in, hence the name, I think they call them roll-ins. Playbacks, yep, roll-ins, right. uh, yep. pre-builds, many things like that. That can involve a lot of graphics. Gotcha. Oh, but wait, we'll get to that. Finish your road into the road all into. the live. Okay, I got uh, conned or sort of thrown into producing bumpers for live television shows and that is essentially when they say coming up scott simmons and mark step will talk to you more on this podcast i was charged with collecting video of red carpet shots or people mingling around editing those really quickly and then getting them into the show that was my first time where i started spending a lot of time in a video production truck to see what was going on. And for those that don't know much about live TV, often they bring in very large trucks, sometimes semi-trucks, sometimes huge, um, highly modified panel trucks. It is literally a TV studio yes. within the truck. Yeah, there's usually 15 or 20 people doing varying jobs inside that truck. And usually I have myself and an assistant sitting there. Then that started changing 
or expanding. And I started getting hired to do what we call pre-edit for a live performance of a show where it's going to be live, live, but they're rehearsing it. They record the multi-camera of the rehearsal, and then I sit with a director or producer and artist, and we make the best cut of that rehearsal we can. So we have all the cameras that are going to be same when they're live, and we do what's called shot shooting. So they know that from this two bars, they're going to be on camera one. Then they go to camera two or four or seven for two more bars. And we do that a multitude of times working up to the actual live performance so that when they do the real live performance, everybody involved knows what they're going to do. The camera guys know their moves. The assistant director knows where they're going. The director knows what he's going to call. And it's just a way of really practice, practice, practice and using the technology of editing equipment to help make that work. I will make a timeline. I will put camera numbers in that timeline with the edit and time code so the AD can go through and exactly to the frame know exactly what they're going to do. I do that for the Super Bowl halftime show. I do it for Oscars performances. I do it for a myriad of things, NBA All-Star Games. So that that's a rehearsal for everybody. That can be rehearsal for the talent that's performing, rehearsal for the camera people, yep. rehearsal for even like the stagehands who have to shuttle people on and off, or obviously rehearsal for the uh, the technical director who's pushing the buttons when the director calls. So that's a, that's a huge part of a smooth, making a smooth live show. It's a game changer. Honestly, is this done on all live shows? Is this just the high end live shows, or um, because it can't be cheap to do that? It's not not necessarily as expensive as you would think because usually the technology is already for some reason. I may bring an Abbott system in to be doing something else on a show, so the technology's there. It's just the labor of an editor that can be there to work, <clears throat> and then the other people that need to be involved okay. with it, assistance or whatever. And lately, I would say in the last five years, artists have become aware of this. So they want to be involved in it. And it's very heavy-handed that they really want to manipulate what's going on and completely understand it. So you can spend a lot of time with an artist getting it polished to the shots that they and their management may want. Are there times when the artist doesn't come in and it's done with, with stand-ins in a sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of stand-in work that's going on. And then the artist may even be looking at the stand-in pre-edit to say, oh, wait a minute. They may change their choreography based on what they're seeing. And they may change where they direction they want to go, or they may decide I don't want I want to make sure we're on the close up camera for this line. Mm -hmm. So then it, it's just a it's really just a form of better communication, so that everybody involved leading up to the actual live live performance knows what's going to happen on bigger shows where to mention the Oscars or Super Bowl halftime show I mean that you don't get any bigger live things than that but I think about something like cable syndicated live even like a sort of a pre-tape type of show and we'll get into pre-tapes in a second it seems to me that if everyone is there, the gear is set up, that there is no disadvantage to, to doing that. It's a, it's a win for everybody. So how come that hasn't been done for forever? Maybe it has been done forever, but... I would say for me, it's just really become, in the last five to seven years, an excellent tool. It's almost like... I, I would say just a lot of people don't know that it can be done. And then a lot of people... 
and some of it becomes budget. Some of it becomes time. Mm. A lot of times you, you don't even get a run through. You know, it's a sound check and do the show. Well, that's what I was going to say. Doing that seems like it could make the show a lot better. I'm sure there are many times when – you know how productions – if you're doing a recorded production, you're delivering a show that is not live. You work up often until the very last second. You you yes. output as you're watching the clock count down. But yes. on a live show, you have the almost the luxury of knowing that at 7 p.m. this show goes live, whether it's ready or not. It it, it will begin whether it's it's ready or not. But in th- in that case, it seems like there are probably times when you just run out of time to do something oh, like always. that. Always. Always. Is that often planned and it's just like, sorry, we don't? Yeah. I mean, it's best laid plans and you usually have a a rehearsal schedule and, and, you know, we should have everything done by this. This is the last time we'll shot sheet and everything will be set. But then there's always curveballs. Oh, of course. Yeah. But the fact that you're rehearsing that way and and shot sheeting and prepping and all that way, if there is a curveball, it's a little easier to hit it out of the park when you're that prepared. Ah, well, let's think about that for a second. So good prep work, good pre-production leads to a much better final result. Is that yeah. shocking? I know to hear that statement, but imagine that. And as an editor, I, I learned very early on to try to go to shoots, pre-taped or not. Try, try to be there to see what's going on because, one, I'll experience what it is their vision is ultimately supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Also... As an editor, as you well know, Scott, we all inherit every problem that happened on set. Yep. The stink rolls downhill, if you will. Yeah. Uh, it's usually not the word stink. It's a different <laughs> word. And if we can be on set as editors and kind of help, like, wait a minute, you know, why is the audio time code different than the video time code, you know, for lack of a better example, that we can, in a way stick our noses in, but we're also saving the production a ton of yeah. money at the end of the day. Are are you always invited to to the rehearsals and all that? Or are there times when you say, hey, I really need to come here and, and, and check things out and, and do what I do to help the show run better? Do you ever get pushed back when they don't uh, want you there? I would say 90% of the time it's a given that if they hire me, I'm there for the full deal from first frame rehearsal. A lot of times it's not logistically possible. It's something that comes up quick that's being done somewhere else, which, you know, does bring us to with pandemic. We've all learned how to work remotely a lot better. And I've actually done some of that work in the past year remotely. We all know it has its trappings, but it worked, you know, in the end, just takes more time. That's also an extra, you know, an extra person to fly to the shoot, an extra person to put in a hotel. And I mean, it's only one person, I guess, unless you have an assistant with you, but it just feels like with you know with production in general when you consult post early on you're you're just setting yourself up for more success yeah and and if you look at the grand scheme of things of how much money is being spent on a quote live performance especially big big ones especially the big ones but really any of them even down to you know somebody was going to spend a hundred thousand dollars on something why not spend an extra five grand to bring in the editor, he probably will bring his gear and say, let me help you out on set and it'll save you 25% of your post time. 
So what else does an editor do for live television? They can't be all. No, it's not all. (laughs) There's a a lot of different things that go on, and I'm sure other live editors are doing different things than that I'm doing. But again, with advent of technology, a great company called uh, Pronology came up with a system called MRES that allows you to record multi-camera feeds, as many as you want, directly into an Avid shared storage media system. And basically the way that works is as soon as they start recording, let's say it's 12 cameras, those 12 streams are being recorded. And about 30 seconds into that, you can make a multigramma group and start editing. And yes, this is a live show, but in the States, we have three different time zones. And if I'm doing a show in New York, and they want it went on at 9 p.m. in New York, and there was a flub up, then they may want to make some fixes for the West Coast feed. Yes, technically it's not live anymore, <laughs> but mm. we're all trying to put our best foot forward and make it as good as we can. So we will real uh, extremely quickly make the fixes that a producer or a director wants and re-output that act and ship it to the network and then they will play it back as part of the West Coast feed. So usually it's about an hour, hour and a half window to get that done. So we're doing these fixes as the show goes. But most West Coast time zone, Pacific time zone is not live, correct? Or I mean, or I guess sometimes they air, it just airs a lot earlier. It goes a lot, it goes a lot earlier there. And if it's a live West Coast show, you can do the same thing. You're just technically in a different time zone doing that. And that's a tool that was really used a lot when it first started being able to do. A lot of people aren't doing as much as they could. The top, the bar's gone down a little bit with pandemic. Mm-hmm. And mostly it's things like somebody fell or a camera's in a shot or, you know, there, there was heavy duty choreography and somebody went the wrong way. So they'll want to fix that if they can. The other thing that happens is a disaster happened. Something really bad happened during the show, the live, live show. And for the West Coast... We have to take the last dress rehearsal and uh-huh. insert footage from that into that show. Is that ever a place where you would take an entire dress rehearsal? Because I guess being a dress rehearsal, they're wearing the same stuff. It's filmed just like a recorded. It's not really filmed, but yeah. we use the word film. Just like a live, just like it was a live show. That That's actually to me once in a major way. I was doing the... Uh, live version of Rent, the musical, a couple years ago for Fox, I believe it was. And the night before the show day, the lead actor fell and broke his leg. That could be a problem on a theatrical, a live theater production. It it was a heartbreaking thing for everybody because it was a great show and everybody was ready to do it. It had an unbelievable talent list and the quality was really good. It happened in the middle of the night. I didn't realize it until they, they called me on my way in to do my normal show day work. They said, hey, here's what's happened. So I sat down and piecemealed together different takes and acts and shots from three different dress rehearsals. Wow. That were completely full dress rehearsals. And that was the day of the broadcast. And that became the broadcast master. So how, how many cameras was that? Do you remember? Oh, gosh. You're really only dealing with three to 
eight cameras at a time, mm-hmm. but there's different sets. Right. Well, even, even like let's say it was it was five cameras times three dress rehearsals. You've got you know, 15 angles at any given point, but you that is a lot of eyeballing going back to, all right, here's this song 29 seconds in. Right. Which takes us back to all those dress rehearsals were shot sheeted because they were being used as tools for the live live show. Oh, so you had notes. So we already had great notes. And, and everybody knew that this performance from take two was the keeper. Oh, that's so, great. So, that made... so the, the challenge was stitching together scene to scene from take to take. If, if there was like a lull or something, we just had to pull it up. And then we were also trying to deliver our show to time. Hmm. Did that happen to the whole Rent show or was it just the parts where that particular actor was in it? The entire Rent show played... And what they did, the, the great thing, the, out, the great outcome of it was there was a live audience. Mm-hmm. So the troupe, the talent, performed the show as a stand-up. They didn't move. They didn't do any choreography. They played on one set. And they just performed all the music at the same time we were playing back the tape of the show. And then the very last act, which was really just an epilogue and credits, that went live life. Is, is this known information? Yes. It was it was there was an announcement made before I, okay. before it. There was an announcement, a slate at the top of at the beginning of the show saying previous recorded, we hadn't, you know, and explaining what was going on. And then during that last act, the guy was sitting there in his wheelchair and he talked about oh, it. Oh, that's 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 cool. it, it was it was a great outcome in the end that the the way the executive producers and the network handled it. Yeah. It was a, a very adrenaline pushing day. Well I assume he had an understudy like Broadway does and they could have popped him in, but the key thing you just said was like like Broadway does. Yeah. <laughs> and and then, I said the word assume, which is all since then thing. all those T V musicals do have understudies, but so, it, it, it worked out great in the end. It, the biggest thing was that people didn't get to do their really live live show. So that answers this, sorry, in a very long way that answers that. That's a great story. Yeah. So other, other stuff that the editor does before the live first minute of a live show drops, what else do you got to do? I do a lot of QCing of, of things that come in, especially with pandemic. There's a lot of remote deliveries, people that have shot stuff at home on their iPhones. And they'll get those last minute. So I'll take them into an Avid and color grade them a little bit, level out the audio, make them a little bit more reasonable for television. Mm. You know, broadcast standards had to really take a hit when the pandemic. Well, this is uh, true. And now that's a whole other discussion. Pre-pandemic times, though you were still, I guess there were often ENG crews that were out shooting stuff. Sure. You know, they could they could be actually like more narrative, dramatical things. They could be out doing man on the streets. There's probably any number of things, depending on the kind of live show it was that, yeah. that, that fit the show. Yeah, there, there's, a, there's a myriad of things that go on and it, and it all comes down to what the creative direction becomes or what their vision they have is going to be what technology is available and then how we can best exploit it. Yeah. I mean, I use a device a lot on bumpers and playback called an EVS machine, which was originally designed to be a sports playback machine. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's used for. It's a very simple little device, eight buttons and a wheel and a joystick. And we use it, we manipulate it to make all our bumpers and to marry graphics and you know, cheat a lot of things into a live show that 
quote aren't necessarily live, but they are part of the live broadcast. The EVS has been around for a long time. Long time. I, I hear that term a yeah, lot. A long time. And it's a very stable tool, and it's another device that you can manipulate how many channels you're recording in it based on how many channels you want to play back. And as soon as you're recording, you can start playing back. Let's talk about the editing for a minute. A live show is pretty much a multicam kind of show, whether you're talking about a music show, an award show, the rent type of thing. What type of multicam editing sort of skills does someone need to have if they're going to try to get into live post-production side of live television? You're not editing it on the fly. That's being called by the director. We've talked about the rehearsals and all that. But you've got to know a lot about the technical side of multicam as far as the, the camera's time code, how everything syncs together. You have to know about how to work with that in in the editing system yep. and have it in your, in, you know, predominantly what you were, I think pretty much all you work on. Yep. How, what is the multicam knowledge that... You hit the big broad stroke of it is that it is equal left brain, right brain. You really got to understand the technology and understand why time code is time code, what your audio assignments are, where things are going, your ingest rates, your digitized rates, how much storage you got, how hard you can push the bandwidth of your system. Uh, you know, are you using 10 gig switches, two gig switches, one gig switches? How many, mm-hmm. so many people need to share this media at the same time? So there's a lot of technology involved basically to understand your limits. Okay. And then the creative part on it of understanding that oh, I just saw a camera in a shot. I know that needs to be fixed. Instead of the time that you wait for someone to tell you that there's a fix can be minutes and you've already lost minutes. Right. You know, you've lost a lot of time. And so the clients I work with consistently, that's part of the reason they hire me, that I understand their eyes and understand their tolerances so that if there's fixes to be done, then I know what they want. Gotcha. A lot of times, too, an artist will hire me because they want my touch on the shot sheeting and the prep and all that because I've worked with them before on, let's say, a multi-camera concert mm-hmm. in the past. Then also a lot of these shows, they go live, live, and they're done. And then we do a post-edit on them for what they call the evergreen version that will sit on shelves and be the archive version. Okay. It might be a, a repeat version two weeks down the road, or they may sell international. And the big thing on those is, as you probably well know, once a production's over, the production side of people, they're off on the next one. Right. And so if a show like that moves into post, I'm kind of left you know, just doing it myself. And there's a lot of trust in there. Hey, I can send quick times and people can approve stuff and nothing's going to go out the door until they see it. But at the same time, they don't have to be there every minute, you know, basically like you would a normal right. session with producers sitting there calling every shot. That's, so we went from, from the, the pre-production side before live happened to what you do after sometimes. Let's, let's move into when the countdown happens and the show goes live. What, what, are you just sitting there? Obviously, you're not. We just talked about you're looking for problems. But are yeah. you? Do you have a notepad out? Are you watching all the ISOs or in the, all the camera feeds on a well, special usually, monitor? Or usually, what? in a perfect world, you hope to be doing nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it never ends up that way. Uh, a lot of times, you're still waiting on stuff to come in. 
So somebody might be shooting something for Act 8 and you're in the middle of Act 2. Well, let's back that up for a second. So it's a live show. It could be two hours, probably three hours on a yeah. big award show that maybe runs over. It starts at 7 p.m. on Central Time, which is where I am. And there's something that has to be in the show at 9 that has not been finished yet. They may be still rolling the camera. So are you going to do a quick edit? Is this stuff that's usually like, you know, one shots or what type of thing could that be? It's it, it can be a variety of things. It's usually pretty simple stuff because at that point, you don't want to take the risk of broadcasting something that's extremely flawed. Mm -hmm. And no matter what, we still want to have time to do our work on it QC it, get it into the playback system and let them QC it too. And all of, most of all of that work has to take place during commercial breaks because everybody's working during the actual show. So these can't be really long packages or really long segments. They have to, and I think everybody, as part of live television, you have to know your limitations. Yes. And generally I work with a bunch of people who are very adamant about stating that we are out of time. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we can't push this any further. I can think of uh, live shows, which I have seen and maybe have worked a little bit on, when people didn't say they were out of time and what went to air was horribly flawed. Fixed later, fixed for the West Coast feed, but you do only have so much, a finite amount of, amount of time. But I think you, you, you mentioned you have to get the footage, you have to ingest it somehow, some way, perhaps do a little bit of edit. You have to QC it, quality check it. It has to be then transferred from your editing system into the truck for the broadcast, and then someone in the truck also has to QC it. Is that why would they QC after you QC? Is there a worry that the transmission from edit suite to truck could bring in uh, artifacting or it, that that could happen? But I would say ninety percent of it is another set of eyes. Okay. Now, usually, I have an assistant or other editors around me, and if I do, then I'm going to have them look at what work I did too. Just like I would look at what work they were doing, too. Right. We don't want any of our work to leave the edit bays flawed mm -hmm. with a mistake on it. Because then it could get past the next person in line. Right. And in the truck, the same goes for them. They're the ones playing it back. If it's flawed, they're going to get the wrath. Yeah. And none of us want that. And in the live show scenario... If a playback package goes wrong, that's the worst nightmare for executives. I was going to ask, what about, we talked about the situation happened with Rent, the actor breaking the leg, and, and, and the Audible they called. Have you had instances, or what would happen if you had this package in a live show that could not get done, the machine crashed, or there's any number of things that could happen to make the package not get done. Is the rest of the show pulled up? Do they have a contingency plan for like how to fill that three minutes? Does a comedian come out? And uh, just, I mean, there's got to be, it has to have happened. Yeah, it, it's definitely happened. I've experienced it. Mostly shows end up being a little long anyway. Mm -hmm. So let's just use an example that for some reason, a war package that was 45 seconds long didn't make it. The immediate thing was, well, we're two minutes over anyway, so we're okay. Or these shows are usually hosted so they can get to a bit and have a host egging on mm -hmm. a little bit. Yep. And, and I've Literally. probably seen that happen and you didn't realize why. It was like, what is the host doing? That's enough. Yeah. I, I remember doing a comedy award show one time and Judd Apatow 
was hosting and and they were going to be short and he just blatantly came out and said okay we're short i have to fill so he started telling jokes and that's fine for a show like that yeah an elegant show like the grammys or emmys or oscars they don't want to have that kind of image about them so they're Trying to use smoke and mirrors right. in, a way, in a way to cover that up. It's usually when that happens, it's a technology problem. A lot can go wrong and technology is either on or off. It, it either works or it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Generally, you would, would hope that it works. I did a concert for the Super Bowl one time and we had pre-taped part of the show. And then part of the show was going to be live. One of the phases of the power on the truck froze up. Ooh, that sounds like something, something you could never – I mean, so you plan for problems, but something like that is not your normal no, issue. A third of the power in the truck went out. Luckily for me, I had an Bay station set up away from the truck. So the long story short, we manipulated the order of the show to make it work to where – the show kind of still came off of that hitch, but it did require a guy with a can of Freon spraying one of the phases of the power for the entire show. Wow. Making, making it ice so it wouldn't cook. So there, so there's your technical issues beyond just, you know, the hard drive crash or, you know, or I had to reboot the computer or even like the the SD card or, or the P2 card, remember those, came out and yeah. would not mount. That's like a whole other level of – but yeah. I, I guess when you have a live show like that with these trucks – you have some very, very talented and very smart engineers there who are making all of this stuff work together. Right. And, and, and the way it generally works is the trucks are manned by consistent engineers show to show. Mm-hmm. They know the truck inside and out. And as you develop relationships with them, they know how you're working inside and out. So a lot of the times I show up to shows and everything I need is already there. It's already laid out because the guy did the last show with me or he knows me or or they'll email or call and we'll talk tech. You know, I had two emails and a phone conversation with the tech guy for the show I'm in Nashville for right now before I start tomorrow. And so you hope that all that gets ironed out before you start. But you really, really depend on their talent and their skill, especially when things go wrong. For something like live TV, especially big time live TV, it's really kind of a small pool. It's it's not as huge of, of a niche of our world, I think, as people would think. And if you don't perform or if you mess up a couple of times, you're probably kind of out of that, you know, that the, the, the call pool because yeah. you can't not that you can't be trusted, but you can't be trusted to do what you need to do to have the live show happen. Correct. It's it's I work with about the same 60 people year round. And we work all over the country and in different parts of the world. Yeah. And and I'm relieved when I see them. But it's very competitive and it's also can be extremely pressure driven. So if people get burnt out on it, then they may take off. Or there's very few opportunities to make big mistakes. It's a lot of money at stake, you know, advertising wise and network dollar wise. So they're not they're not gonna tolerate much of it. But at the same time, it's also a big team effort. No one points fingers and say, why did you mess that up? A lot of figuring out what happened Mm -hmm. will happen, but you're going to see the same thing again. 
so you don't want it to happen again. And your chances are you're going to work with the same people again. Yeah. So you want to make it work. We talked about if there's a problem and say a segment doesn't go into the show, which would make the show short, what happens when the show runs long? We Oscars are famous for running long, but I think about you know, little things like the Grammys years ago. I never forget watching it was a Billy Joel performance and we had a, the song was a river of dreams and there's like a, a pause right in the song. And when it happened live, he paused, he stopped playing. He turned around and looked at the camera. He said something like, we're now wasting valuable advertising time that he just let this pause. It wasn't super long, but you know, something like that that happens or, or, or you know, a renegade artist who just doesn't yeah. get off the stage when they're supposed to. That's not unusual. Yeah. You got to love Billy Joel for that. Well, basically what, what they usually do is they build him what they call Velcro in, into the show rundowns. And Velcro is items that can stick or can easily be ah. unstuck. Uh, one way that we do it, which is part of the pre-build editing, is you will make, as the show goes into the second hour and third hour, you will make alternate versions of nominee packages. You'll have a long version that's, let's say, a minute and a half. Then you'll have a medium version that, let's say, is a minute. And then you'll have a short version that's 30 seconds. Okay. So at the end of every act, there's what we call – there's a back timer working that shows you when you got to be off air. And he's counting down all the elements. And the executive producers, the really good ones, there's only a few of them left, are constantly looking at that and going, we're right on time at the end of every act. Kanye got up there and talked forever. Now we're long. Poor Taylor. Uh, yeah, poor Taylor. For the record, I think Taylor has the last laugh in that one. But anyway, they'll say, okay, for this next act, we're playing short packages. So if there were three packages and they went from minute and a half packages down to 30, they bought two and a half minutes back or a little bit more. And that way, they're constantly trying to Velcro the timeline, yeah. let's say, to make it breathe or not breathe how they go. It's almost like a sliding sliding scale. Yeah. And, I, and I think that also sort of goes to – I don't think anybody who's ever watched a, a good live show, they know there's lots of pre-production work that goes in, into Oh, yes. It. But I think the amount of just little things like that – yeah. Is something you probably never, you know, most people, I'm like, I never think about that when I'm watching a live show. Yeah, and the Oscars is an exception because they don't care. They just, they just goes on. But there are some lesser known award shows that have to be out, have to be done at the bottom of the hour. Well, the thing that you're, you're running up against affiliate news programs. Oh, and they don't like that to be uh, preempted. Bingo. They don't, you, you, they got to have their news go on at 11 o'clock or 10 o'clock, whatever it's supposed to be. So that's a big deal. And the really good showrunners, executive producers take pride in delivering on time. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's kind of a, a really cool thing to be able to do. And, and at the end of it, if you do it, every, everybody involved top to bottom feels like they've accomplished something well because it's kind of the icing on the cake. We didn't go long. We weren't short. One thing I do during shows is as the show is going and I or somebody else working on the show has time, we build a highlight package of what's happened during the show, mm -hmm. the big moments. And that plays during the credits. Is this, uh, before we get into how you build it, are you just making markers in, in the Avid as that footage is, is, is loaded in? Do you have a notepad with with the screen with time code on it? Or? I've done it both ways. If I am actually recording into the Avid, then I've got one hand on it and I'm on the line cut and I hit a locator when I see something. Okay. Locator. I think they're called markers now in Avid, old guy. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> markers. <laughs> so then when I get time or if there's an assistant around, then they'll go through and just subclip 
out. Mm -hmm. You know, usually I do this in an EVS because the EVS will play back in slow-mo and still look good. And also that slow-mo is rampable. Really good EVS operators, we're back timing to the end of the show and we know we want this magical last shot that's the fireworks or whatever. Then we'll get to that and we still need five seconds, but we only got a three second shot. You can slow that down to make it last five seconds. That, uh, that's interesting because I, I'm sure all of us have watched, especially musical shows, that when they end, you do see the credit roll with a lot of these slow-mo shots. But yet, during the show itself, they're not rolling slow-mo. And, and they, they don't have a, you know, contrary to like what you see on the uh, like the Super Bowl and a lot of these sporting events now where they've got the, the shallow depth of field cameras out there or they've got those super slow-mo cameras that they can do replays on. You're not recording the entire show with the ability to just slow-mo it down with a slow-mo camera. So we're using the EVS to do that. Yeah, correct. And it's very smooth and it's highly flexible on the speed. And usually what will happen is I'll do this all during the show. We'll pick out all these shots and we'll line them up. And I like to make it linear order just Mm -hmm. because it was how the show happened. The executives will call in to me and say, hey – you know, how long can you make the highlight reel? We're running a little short. And I'll usually say, well, how long do you want it? Mm-hmm. And no matter what they say, I'll make it 30 seconds longer. I've never done one that's longer than two and a half minutes. So I've made a three and a half, three minute rollout reel. But that's another piece of Velcro. Right. That, that if all of a sudden they catch up, that same three minute rollout reel can be made into 30 seconds. We can just start taking shots out. Like I, I'll go through it real quick and go kill it, kill it, kill it, kill it, and then keep the big hero ones and then play back. And then it doesn't need to play back in slow-mo. Is that a place where they can – I guess they can stretch the actual credits themselves to fit whatever they need to be? Yeah, or they just start them later. Okay. Because there's a lot of legality issues like you know, directors have to be two seconds. Uh, know, and then they get everybody else, they get a frame. Yep. You know, or less. Kind of or less. So it's usually just a cue – of when they're they're all trying to get to that production logo at the right time. So and and our team helps them get there. So what happens when the show is done? So let's say it's it came on at seven, went live, and you and you're on time and at 10 p.m. of the credits roll, you get the final logo. The live show is ended, the transmission is ended. What do you do? What's your next hour? The well, the first five minutes is waiting to see if there's any additional fixes. Okay. For the most part, as the show has been going along, if there are problems, you see them, someone else sees them. There are notes made of here's everything we have to fix. Right. Sometimes there could be a problem that wasn't had anything to do with our end. It could have been a transmission problem, Mm -hmm. satellite blip or something. So the network may want us to feed another act. Hey, act three had a hit. Can you guys refeed it and check this time code? So we check the time code, everything's good, and then we just play it back. And you have to play the whole act back. You can't just play a fix. It's, that's the one one trapping of it. That requires audio, A1, engineer mm-hmm. to stay on board, AD, TV, what? playback. There's a there's about eight or nine people that have to stay. Yeah. And then you have to make sure they don't start pulling the power. Oh, that would be bad. Everywhere. Let's talk about that for a second. Because we live in a day and age when you can take a you know a finished MXF file, a QuickTime, whatever, and you can insert a piece right into it so you don't have to re-export your entire hour-long program, if you will. Why, why do you have to feed an entire act when you have somewhere there exists a file of that act? Why can't you just insert a fix? Two reasons. One is if you play it back live, they can QC on their end while it's going live. 
while it's playing back. They don't have to take the file and then play the file and then play it back again. So they've been QCing it as it's being transmitted. Correct. Also, you have to redo all the closed captions because the closed captions were live. So the closed caption artist has to sit there and do the closed captioning again. Okay. So that's why that's done. And believe me, I when I first got exposed to it, I go, why can't I just upload a quick time again? It's not the present workflow. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. So that first five minutes, you're getting any any new fixes? Just just making sure yep. you're getting the all clear. And if there's a there's a head person in the truck that's in charge of transmission, and that person is the last say that okay, we're clear because then they're going to unplug the satellite and they're going to start pulling power. So. After that five minutes, then do you immediately start working on the fixes? If there are any, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, and that would absolutely. be usually for the West Coast feed of things. Yeah. Or, in the U.S. Or if there's an evergreen version that that they know they, they want to fix one thing and we'll just do it while we're there. Gotcha. As opposed to coming back the next day or taking it back to the edit suite. And yeah. If you have to do extensive fixes for an evergreen or I guess, you know, foreign distribution or something like yeah. that, there are times when you can wait. Which is another great thing about having you know, whatever editing systems you're using them and their shared storage on set is because if you've recorded it all, you could unplug it, take it back to your edit bay and plug it in and start right then. So if the show ended at 10 and you needed to turn around to show by the next morning, you could be editing by midnight easy. So there's eight hours that you can plow away. You may be tired. Yeah, there's a lot of coffee involved and a lot of cursing. Well, well, I think that's one thing. Like your your services, and when I've worked with you before, it's it's, it's turnkey. It's like I will arrive with my stuff set up. You obviously don't have the EVS, you don't have the truck, you don't have the other system we talked about, right. but you know those exist. But you can set up your post production facility on site, yeah, and provide that service. Yeah, you can provide the the fixes, you can provide the evergreen if need be. You then you tear it down in the, the night, put it back in your truck, take it back to your place, and you can set back up and go back to work again. I, I'm guessing there are probably a lot of just you know editors who work on live tv that are just bodies for hire that Correct. walk in sit down do their thing then walk away at the end of the night that's two entirely different uh, yeah. even skill sets it's, you, you have to be able to you got to be extra technical when you sort of provide the turnkey right yeah and and i do some of both i prefer to do the turnkey because if i arrive plug and play i know my gear's been tweaked out and you can charge more uh, a little bit but you, but you have overhead. Like that's not just charging more to make more money. You have a lot of overhead you right. have to pay for. Yeah. You have to insure. You have to upkeep. Up, upgrading is a constant financial battle. Right. And then I, I do shows where you know because of location or whatever the group of people. I'm just another person that's there, and and I'm happy to fit in. The turnkey thing has worked out well for me because people that hire me have a trust and that I will arrive with the right mm-hmm. equipment. And that here's my plug. Let's QC it and it's minimal hassle of everything's okay. Right. Let's go. And as you well know, I, I try to work very quickly because I don't want to be there all night. So I want to get in and get out and that saves everybody money. Yeah, for sure. So. For sure. So the last question I have about this is probably one of the most important ones and we haven't even touched on it yet. As you know, a live production, I'm using air quotes for production. When you think about people running cameras, you think about all the people on the set, all the um, people inside around the stage. You're thinking about the, the producers, the, the writers. The COVID testers. The COVID <laughs> testers. You're not thinking about editors in post-production, but that's an important part of it. But here's the question I have. Even though you are not, as an editor, as a post-person, you're not in and around the production side of things, are the editors able to utilize craft services and catering? 
Yes. Okay, good. Actually, extensively, <laughs> because you're not as on a tight schedule oh. as everyone else is. And if you're lucky enough that they've kind of built you a place, you have your own trailer, you can con craft services into setting up your own craft service station. So you don't even have to stand up. That is next level stuff right there. So, you know, That's I, the best question of the day. I hope that people, this helps people. If you don't know a lot about live TV, I hope this kind of gives you an insight into what it takes as far as the post-production side of things. Because, you know, I, I was an editor for years before I did any sort of live focused stuff and, and did not realize how much went into it from a post-production Same here. standpoint. Same here. Is there any, any like things I've missed? Any like weird little things that, you know, you, that you have to do that no one ever... No, it's just for me, it's, you know, left brain, right brain, understand the technology and understand the changes in technology, kind of try to keep up with that. I don't necessarily enjoy it, but that's a must, that side of the business. And that definitely relates to being a turnkey provider. Yeah. I mean, so many editors have become computer nerds by default, not that we ever wanted to be. And as nuts and bolts editing goes... Speed and accuracy is the most important thing. And also understanding what the executives or the director wants. It's not a, we're going to mess around with this for hours to find the magic moment. It's, this is what we want this to do. Doesn't mean you can't offer a better idea, but you are dealing with a deadline. Right. You're constantly dealing with the deadline. And that is first and foremost in everybody's mind. And then, you know, willingness to travel so i mean it, it took me on the road big time when i started doing it well live shows don't always happen in the same place they have for a year but now they're not well that's true <laughs> anymore richie we're and, getting back to normal uh, can i plug sure okay well if anyone has any questions about any of this you can reach me at info at uppercutmedia.com or step.uppercut at gmail.com and that's s-t-e-p-p dot U-P-P-E-R-C-U-T at gmail.com. Yeah, the, the normal question is like, where do people find you? But you're not on Twitter or on the Instagram yeah. or a TikTok or whatever, whatever. Yeah, I, I, I'm scared. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and or just shoot me a message because I can I can relate on tomorrow. So yes. thanks for chatting with us on this on this this live post-production in live TV. Yeah. Thanks, Scott. <laughs>